What's up, guys? Welcome back to another daily Bible reading snapshot. Today, we're looking at Exodus 13, 14, and 15 here in the Old Testament. And we've just seen the people of Israel make their way out of Egypt. And in chapter 13, we see the first feast of unleavened bread. So we see the people of God being very clear to set apart, first of all, their firstborn, and then they're supposed to serve God in this feast of unleavened bread. And it's supposed to be a pattern for the rest of Israelite history. So that happens first. And then it says, as they leave, God gives them guidance. How does God give them guidance? Well, miraculously, he leads them with a pillar of fire at nighttime and then a pillar of smoke or a cloud by day. And this is not just some little tiny thing. This is probably a huge thing that was so clear. Hey, everybody, follow this way. So God was going to give them supernatural guidance. And it says they even take the bones of Joseph with them. They take, you know, Joseph who brought the people into Egypt, they're taking Joseph with them, right? They're taking his bones out of this land. And it says the, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire did not depart from the people of God. Right? They were led by this and they were led to an interesting spot in chapter 14. They're led to the Red Sea. Now, this seems weird. Like why would God lead them to the edge of a body of water? That doesn't make sense. And a lot of them said, this doesn't make sense. We should probably go back. We should, how are we going to do this? And then when the Egyptians start to close in on them with 600 chariots, they get even more scared. They think we're going to get massacred. They had about a million people in this camp. They were going to get massacred by these Egyptians. So they're super scared. And they say to Moses, is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done in bringing us here? And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Just watch. He said, sit back and watch how God is going to save in this situation, which again, you got to trust God to make that happen. And they do. They sit back and they watch God. It says, the Lord will fight for you and you will have only to be silent. So in this situation, God wants the people of Israel to just stop worrying and he's going to take care of it. So then it says Moses takes his staff and by God's guidance, he leads the people through the Red Sea on dry ground. So a lot of people try to explain this in some um, naturalistic way that like, oh, there was some weather pattern. No, this is a miracle. You don't take a body of water like this and have it split and have a million people walk through the middle of it. Like literally a million people walk through the middle of it on dry ground. That does not happen unless God does a miracle. And that's exactly what happened. And it says they flee, right? And they, they, they go through this area and they make it all the way through. And then the Egyptians said, hey, let's chase them. Let's follow them in for the Lord fights against them, against the Egyptians. So the Egyptians are, are very clear, like they're going to, they're going to come into this area. So they do, they are in the Red Sea. So you could imagine it would take a long time to get these people through the Red Sea, through the portion of the Red Sea that they were in. So as they're in and leaving, the Egyptian chariots chase them in, right? Cause they're like, well, they're in there. I guess we'll follow. And as they go, it says, God closed the sea back up, which again, shows this was a miracle, right? This wasn't some like slow tide that rose really quickly. Like, no, this is a miracle. This happens very quickly. And it says they smash together and the Egyptians drown in the sea. They're destroyed. And even Pharaoh who chased them down, he um, is, is drowned in the sea. And this is interesting. End of chapter 14 says, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw Egyptians dead on the seashore. 
Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. They said, we'll follow Moses. And chapter 15 is one of the coolest worship songs in all the Bible that shows up where these people are worshiping God. They say, the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. Interesting thing he says about God here. He says, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So God is not some little, you know, harmless God. No, God is strong. He's powerful. And it says that he's a man of war here. And he's serious about taking out his enemies. Every time you think about God, you need to also keep in mind, not just his loving attributes, not just his care. You also have to keep in mind his strong power and his desire to save his people. You have to keep that in mind. He is a man of war in this. Then he says, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? He says, you stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. The enemies of God are taken out. Then Miriam sings a song, right? The sister of Moses says, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider, he has thrown into the sea. There's such this praise and worship of God when he's done this work of salvation. And I hope that you feel the excitement of this song. And I hope that you get excited as you read this psalm. And you think, okay, God is to be praised. Look at what he's done. I want you, although you weren't in this situation and I wasn't in this situation, I hope that you get excited about God and his strength and his power as you read Exodus 15. And I hope that you worship him today as well. So that's our Old Testament reading. Today we're looking at Matthew 19 in the New Testament. So remember, Jesus has been talking to the disciples about what it looks like to live in the church, what it looks like to forgive, all that stuff. And then there's a teaching that comes up. It says, now when Jesus had finished with these sayings, he went from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and a large crowd followed him. And these Pharisees came up to him. So again, now it's not just the inner circle. Now we're back with a lot of people here. And the Pharisees came up and tested him. And he says, is it lawful to divorce for any cause? Like, can you divorce your wife for any cause? And he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? So this has been a problem in the church ever since. What does it mean that people are married? What should people do? I mean, is divorce okay? Is that something God says, yeah, that's good? Uh, what about um, who should be getting married? Male and female? Is that Does God really have anything to say about that? Right? A lot of people today make a statement that's just so foolish. They say that Jesus does not talk about marriage. Like that is the dumbest thing ever. Jesus talks about marriage. And in fact, he defines marriage right here as the lifelong union between a man and a woman, right? So here's the criteria of getting married. You have to have a man and you have to have a woman, okay? That is foundational and central to our understanding. And God makes that so clear. It's clear in the Old Testament. Jesus repeats it here in the New Testament. And then it says, Jesus quotes the Old Testament. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So Jesus says a couple things about marriage. First of all, it takes a man and a woman and that's it. Okay. Then secondly, um, the two are one after that point and you're not supposed to separate them. So don't get divorced. So this teaching is super clear that we can't say, oh yeah, great. Um, If you want to be married for two years, then you just kind of want to break up. That's cool. It doesn't matter. No, it's super clear. He gives some exceptions here. He says, and I say this to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery, 
right? So even if you are to say, oh yeah, well, I've been divorced, but I just want to get remarried and, and it doesn't matter about my past life. It doesn't matter. Well, be careful about that because there's some instructions here. There's, there's some ways that Jesus says here that, that divorce can happen and be acceptable before God, but we need to be very careful about that because he, he gives some exception clauses, but we shouldn't um, look for more exceptions is the point. Um, so Jesus makes that super clear here, and we need to say, I'm looking to Jesus for his definitions on marriage. And frankly, we should look to Jesus for his definitions on whatever Jesus talks about. Uh, so we need to be super clear about that. Although the culture doesn't like that, Jesus is very clear about that, and you should be too. So thanks for reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot.